Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is my co-host and resident Oz expert, Larry Brenner. Hey, Larry. Hey, Andy. How are you doing today? I am so great. I'm so great. I, I really am. I love doing these podcasts with you. I love doing these podcasts with you, too. Oh, good. Uh, and if you guys at home would like to spend more time on the podcast with us, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Andy is at Andy Redwine. I am at Larry Brenner Six. Or you could go to our Facebook fan page, uh, Once Upon a Disney po- Podcast. Uh, we are happy to hear from you. Uh, please, please give us comments and let us know what you think. Absolutely. We have some guest stars. Yay! Who's our guest stars today? I'm so excited. So good friends of mine, Edda Devine and Gabriel Diani, are award-winning, ah, award-winning filmmakers whose script, Don't Be Evil, made the 2017 Blacklist and was optioned, which is great. They wrote, directed, and starred in this feature, which you have to watch during this time. Uh, Diani and Devine meet the apocalypse, which is a great movie, uh, premiered at Austin Film Festival and uh, was just a audience favorite on the festival circuit. Their other credits uh, together include The Selling. Uh, they have multiple episodes of the of, of uh, Bee and Puppycat and The Adventures of Huck Finn Robotic Edition. And Movie Maker Magazine put them on their list of 25 screenwriters to watch. And I would watch these guys all day. Welcome, 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 Edna and Gabe. Hi, thank, thank you. you so much for having us. It's exciting to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Now, we always let our audience, our our guest stars, choose the movie. And I'm just curious, what made you choose Return to Oz? Because Edda doesn't like Popeye. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't be able to get her to watch Popeye. But if you want to do a Popeye episode, I'm your man. I didn't want to watch it again. (laughs) You didn't want to watch it again? Okay. I think that's that's fair. That's... That, that movie has some pacing problems. <laughs> I love that movie without the sound on. It's oh. beautiful. Oh, it's yeah. stunning, yeah. Um, but we can save that for the Popeye episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> that you're definitely having me back oh, for. Oh, no. Uh, oh, sure, sure. But, uh, uh, Return to Oz is uh, one of my uh, favorites. It's one that I could just watch over and over and over again, and I don't have a lot of those. Uh, I think it's beautiful. And I really enjoy it as well. And uh, it was like, oh, this is this is a Disney movie that Etta will be willing to rewatch. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I'm, I'll rewatch Disney movies. I didn't realize it was it was Disney. Yeah, I didn't Disney realize Studios. it was Disney either, and I had never seen it. So this is my first viewing of this movie. It doesn't really <laughs> fall into the fold, does it? It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. But that's okay. Although, it comes in an interesting point in the history of Walt Disney, the the physical studios, and yeah. I guess the animation studios was in a transition point as well. I think it's pre um, a Little Mermaid when mm-hmm. they sort it's of pre re- Little Mermaid. Two weeks after this movie comes out, The Black Cauldron comes out, so it was a uh, dark year for Disney movies. Uh, and and uh, the Eisner regime came in uh, towards the end when they were in post production of it. So and they actually went through three different um, executive regimes. Uh, while they were wow. making this film, so okay. So usually we let our we start in and talk a little bit about summarizing the movie a little bit. But Larry, you want a, a little bit to talk about uh, what our audience needs to know about Oz? Because let let me just say that <clears throat> if the only source information you have 
is the MGM version of The Wizard of Oz, which is going to be pretty normative in 1985 and, and definitely normative in, uh, in 2021. You're going to come to the table with some expectations <laughs> like yeah, I did. It. And yeah, you're going to be, those are going to fall flat, maybe oh. a little. Okay, so little glimpse into uh, my childhood. I was obsessed with the Oz books. And when I say Oz books, I mean plural, the L. Frank Baum. There are 14 books, and I read them over and over again. I used to take my He-Man figures and cast them as the Wizard of Oz figures. I remember this. I remember I had very specific reasoning as to who played who. Manny Faces was the wizard because every time Dorothy goes to visit the wizard, he looks a little bit different. Like it was elaborate with far too many rules, which is how I like to do everything. Beast, Beast Man was Cowardly Lion, of course. I'm assuming. Well, actually, Battle Cat was Cowardly Lion, but Come on, but Gabe. fair point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I actually had a cat, so you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, but well, that's Diana, isn't that the cat in the book? No, no, it's not. Diana is the cat in Alice in Wonderland. Darn it, Eureka, the pink Eureka. kitten. There you go. I, okay. Okay. We're going deep. Yeah. We're going she's, deep quick. I mean, she's she's. Try, I'm not a fan of Eureka. Well, I mean, she tried to kill that little piglet, and yeah, no did. one is going to get that but you and me. So we got to get out of this this little uh, deep dive here. But so so I was really into the Oz books, and I knew the lore fairly well. So. I watched the movie. I was aware that my little sister was crying through most of it because she found it too scary. <laughs> but what I wasn't aware of was how confused everybody was watching the movie because I wasn't really confused. But I think it's fair to say most people, if they've read the Oz books, they probably stopped at the first one, The Wizard of Oz, uh, and don't know everything else. So here's what you need to know in order to get this to understand this movie fully. And it's a lot. So first of all, you need to have read The Wizard of Oz. That's where Dorothy learns that Oz is surrounded by the deadly desert, which cannot be crossed uh, because if you touch it, you turn to sand. Right. Uh, that's, that, that is a thing that happens. You need to know that in The Wizard of Oz, it is not a dream. There is no Dorothy waking up at the end. She actually goes to Oz. She does come back. So there's a, there's a lot of information that is drawn heavily from that book. But Return to Oz is itself an adaptation of the third book in the Oz series, Ozma of Oz. And the reason I, I'm assuming that Disney decided to adapt the third book as opposed to the second one, The Marvelous Land of Oz, is because Dorothy is not in the second book. And so... Obviously, you know, we are making a movie that's going to be uh, at least in spirit sequel to The Wizard of Oz. You, you want to root it in Dorothy's experience. So, But rather than just skip that book entirely, this movie posits that all of the events that happened in The Marvelous Land of Oz actually happened in between the movies. And we're going to try to catch up on all of that as you go. And I don't want to go down too far, too much of a wormhole, rabbit hole, uh, 
rabbit hole in Oz. Man, terrible <laughs> metaphor to use for this. Uh, I don't want to go too far down this, gnome this hole. road. <laughs> gnome hole. There you go. <laughs> because it's really confusing what happens in Marvelous Land of Oz. And in fact, L. Frank Baum got a lot of complaints. Well, can we have Dorothy come back? Which is why Dorothy comes back in the third ah, book. Well, Here's what you need to know. The villain in the second book is Mombi. Mombi has, as a prisoner, the Princess Ozma. It's more complicated than that, but we're gonna we're gonna skip we're gonna skip the confusing parts there. So then Ozma, the question, well, yes. then the question becomes to me then why would you just skip a, a book in a series and do a sequel and skip a whole lot of source information because it's, it is confusing. It, 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 you are right to be confused. Okay. And, and it is a fair complaint to say that if in order to understand the movie, you needed to have read three books, that is, that is fair. Okay. Right? Like, like you should just be able to enjoy the movie. But As because is. you cannot, I will try, and I'll try to wrap this up a little quicker. <laughs> all right? That's where Jack Pumpkinhead gets made with the powder of life. Ah. Uh, the, the book ends with Ozma taking the throne and the scarecrow stepping down. All right. So, so that's the second book and all okay. of that stuff happens. The third book has Dorothy and Belina. It does not have the scary, scary opening where Dorothy is sent to uh, an insane asylum. Uh, that, that is, that is a completely, that's the original part of this. They, the, there was they added that, but Dorothy and Belina are in a uh, floating chicken coop that does get, uh, washed down to the land of Ev, which is where the story takes place, not in Oz. Um, Mombi is not in that, but the Princess Languideer, who has a hundred heads, is in that, and they combine those two characters. Oh, that's interesting. But the main villain of the movie is the Gnome King, and a lot of the events that we see in this movie are, you know, duplicated in the book. They're from the source material. Ah. Now, but this movie also posits that the movie The Wizard of Oz happened. And that's tricky. In the books, there were no ruby slippers. Uh, they were silver shoes. Right. Uh, not ruby slippers. So they're borrowing that visual. They also duplicate the opening of The Wizard of Oz, where when you know when we're in Kansas, everyone we meet is going to be duplicated in Oz. Be, um, they do the same thing in this movie. So so you're you're forced to synthesize your prior information from both sources. And in addition to that, there's stuff that happens in this movie that also happened in the second book. The gump, uh, the the you know the the animal head sofa winged thing is created in the second book, not the third book. And if you have all of that information, there is the possibility, possibility, that you might enjoy this movie. <laughs> that's, now, a, that's a great case. <laughs> now, I don't think you have to know any of that, because the exposition is all there. Uh, Dorothy and Belina land in the deadly desert in the chicken coop, and Belina's going to go look for breakfast and Dorothy realizes where she might be because Belina's talking. She realizes they're in Oz and she says, Oh, this is the deadly desert. Anything that touches it turns to sand. And so she knows not to step on the sand. And so she oh, says, but- she says, I flew over it, uh, on the way on 
my way she does here say the that. first that's time. Right. That's right. So like we were learning like tidbits all over the place, like that, you know, obviously we didn't see everything when she was here last time. There's a, and there's a lot of exposition in this film. So I, I tend to be a fan of like, if you're going to use exposition, you should get in it and get it, get it out of the way and not just pepper it through the entire movie, which is a problem for me. Uh, but I, I would like to start with, uh, the Manishtana, which is something that we do every episode. The Manishtana of this one is uh, so in Passover, we always we always start with why is this night different from all other nights? And it's not always hard. This is not always a riddle. We don't always have to find like a brilliant answer to this particular question. But sometimes it's 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 worth the journey. Uh, Dorothy has been to Oz before. And she has been back for some time. Why is this the day that we start the movie with Dorothy? Why not some other day? Why not tomorrow? Why is this the point in time where the where the crises are going to unfold? And I'll just throw that question out there, and I'll I'll uh, let you guys answer it. I think Aunt M is at the end of a rope with a little girl who has PTSD from this horrible tornado experience uh a man who uh can't uh build this house because of his horrible experience that he had and there's this uh there's this newfangled invention that prompt is promising her a fix and uh here it is this can be the thing and and the director was um saying that he wanted to show an example for, for children that people who love you can make a bad decision for you. Oh, and wow. I thought that was so beautiful. Um, because, you know, Antem is doing like the very best thing she can, spending money they don't have to try to help Dorothy. And it's a bad idea. You should not take your kid to <laughs> an insane asylum where the very first and leave. El- electro <laughs> right. uh, therapy is happening. <laughs> like- <laughs> right. Due diligence, Antem. Do your research. Yeah. Here's some here's some responses from other people who've used this service. To I be mean, fair, there was no doctor the internet. internet at the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. No, I'm with the, you. The the patients who were damaged, unquote, are locked in the basement. So there's really nobody to talk to. <laughs> right. Like, right. Right. Oh but, dear. Yeah. The, no, I would I would go with yeah. that as the manish to for that. There there are yeah. probably a couple of other answers. I think that works. Um I think we could also argue the arrival of the key mm-hmm. is yes, like so clearly there's answer. a crisis happening in <laughs> Oz. Although I I think the one that you picked is the stronger of the two uh, because we're not yet focused on that crisis at the beginning of the movie. Right. But yeah. it, it does happen within the first two minutes of the movie, yes. right? Outside the window, the comet. Uh, and I love that. I love but Belina's the one that finds the key too. I love that. Yes. Good old Belina. She's yeah. great. Um, so uh, that's the Manish Tana. So let's summarize the movie a little bit. Uh, so we always talk <laughs> inciting incident, rising action, climax. Uh, and I think uh, what we have always found is the climax is usually easy to find. So let's start with the inciting incident, uh, which may, wh- what is what gets this movie going? I'm going to argue here that the thing that the movie doesn't really get going till she's transported to Oz that the like we have a lot it's a it's an interesting sequence there's action in that sequence but none of those events are the events that we're here to see 
I'm going to point to the inciting incident of, once again, Dorothy has found herself transported to the magical land of Oz. And from that point on, we're on a we're on a pretty much a straight line. Dorothy needs to do a bunch of tasks before before she can find a way to get home. Well, let's back up a minute, Larry, because we got a whole lot before that happens there before oh, yes. we get to Oz. We haven't even <laughs> talked about how great Jean Marsh looks in that asylum dress. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. So everything, yeah. So she's you know I'm watching this with my daughters who bailed. Basically, after uh, they totally, you know them, they bailed after the, uh, they were like, they're taking Dorothy to a, an asylum. They're locking her up. Well, hey, nice room. Oh, good. She's combing the pumpkin's hair. Well, this, this treatment's working. <laughs> um, so, like, they, they were very, you know, and like, they're we- why, the- why would somebody wheel her lunch bail away? That's terrible. <gasps> That's her belonging. You know, Every- so they're, yeah. Every single thing in the asylum is in the movie. Set up and pay off. You know, the actor, the wheelie actors. The wheelie actors are the orderlies wheeling the the table by. Sure, sure. Jack Pumpkinhead's there. Ozma's there, obviously. TikTok is there in the form Mm -hmm. of the electric current machine. The the actor who plays the Gnome King just has the most soothing voice, which is terrifying. And creepy, Uh, yes. Yeah. Like all of it is... I'm sorry. No, nope, it's all really it's all super creepy. And 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 I could see where a child watching this movie like your sister Larry would sob her eyes out and be like I don't want any part of this. So yeah, it is very strange. It, and again, it speaks to the tonal difference between what yeah, and we'll get back to that in a minute, but yeah, it's totally different. Totally Dorothy, different. Dorothy starts to show her inner strength. She doesn't like break down when she's locked in the room by herself. She's never been away from Antem before. Well, except Um, for one very long period, she's been away from Antem. True. (laughs) True, 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 true. A very formative period. Yes. Uh, you know, she she runs away. Um, and 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 the the unclearness of it all, like, is the doctor just trying to help her? Is the nurse just a a strong lady who runs this place and is trying to be nice to this little girl? Is she trying to run after these girls who are running out in the rain and trying to to save them? Or is this a mean lady like who's after them? Like everything has the benefit of the doubt here. The ambiguity is fascinating. Ambiguous. It is ambiguous. And yet you talked about setup and payoff. I think it would be so much better if we had a little bit more, like, who is this blonde girl? Is she a part? I mean, I'm thinking, is she a figment of Dorothy's imagination? Is she someone who needs to be set free? I mean, clearly she is. And so, but I want one line, one line that gives me a, you've got to help me, Dorothy, right? You've got to help me get out of here. Where Dorothy goes, yes, I will help you get out of here because I want to get out of here myself. I want one line, one little interchange. But it just seems like these girls sort of know what's happening. And then... And then, of course, she's in the water, and everybody in my family is going, where's the blonde girl? <laughs> what happened to her? You know? And I'm like, I don't know. Apparently, she doesn't matter anymore because she's in Oz, and Dorothy doesn't care about her either. So, like, there's this one moment where I'm like, please, please, something, please, something. Anyway. But so- all of that is – all of that stuff, and it's a lot of it, and it's a lot of action. You would be – I still think the inciting incident is Dorothy getting to Oz. Even though all of that other stuff happens, the real movie is in Oz. Just like I wouldn't say 
in the 1939 MGM movie, I wouldn't say the inciting incident is about Miss Gulch trying to kill Toto. Oh, Although that's okay. a big deal, I wouldn't say it's about Dorothy running away and wanting to join with Professor Marvel. The 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 movie doesn't all of that stuff is like we're getting so much information, we're getting so many hints and clues and signifiers, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on inciting incident. So so just <laughs> to move us along a little bit, everything in the rising action are all of the events that follow the inciting incident. Dorothy has her encounter with the wheelers, she finds TikTok. She meets Mombi uh, and is imprisoned by Mombi. She escapes Mombi with Jack Pumpkinhead. She creates the gump. She gets to the Gnome King. Where would you guys say the big climax of the movie is? And the climax is going to be the big confrontation uh, between uh, well, the confrontation scene. It's the scene where usually the protagonist uh, struggles against the antagonist. It doesn't always have to play exactly so neatly. But if you were going to say, like, here is where the big conflict scene happens, where would that be? I'm here with my army to force you to give it back. Okay. I mean, I mean, she's certainly starting the confrontation with with the gnome king there. And I, then I think it's the 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 ornament yeah? sequence. Oh yeah. And we could make the case also for the ornament sequence because that's actually where Dorothy is, is you know, struggling with the mental puzzle that the, the Gnome King has set up for her. Right? I, we could make that argument too. I'm gonna say that still those things are still rising action though. I'm gonna say that the Gnome King, when she, it's poisoned with Melina's egg, that that's it. In it that could moment. be. The, yeah. I, I would I would agree with you, Andy. I would probably go. The Gnome King lose like like is like going full Godzilla and like. You know, like, screw my mind games, I'm going to eat you all now. You could argue that, too. Um, but but we're all pointing towards, and I, I think it fairly, that it's it's we're moving towards a struggle between Dorothy and the Gnome King. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and when that is at its high point, that's going to be where the climax is. Wherever, wherever you're feeling the high point of that confrontation is, that's the climax. Is, right. is that fair? Yeah, super fair. We're all we're all in agreement. That's nice. Okay, now now that I've gotten that out of way, now let's let's <laughs> let's let's do some character analysis. That's... Let's do it, Dorothy, who is not the Dorothy from the MGM movies, and in fact, she is yeah. not a sixteen-year-old girl <laughs> pretending to be nine years old. She's an actual nine-year-old girl. It can't be helped now. Like, I can't. <laughs> A soulful, little, quiet, nine-year-old girl. How good is Feruza Balk? And how... She's so great. She's great. That line, that line, every time something just devastating happens, it can't be helped now. Like, it's so... Can't be helped now. That's right. Is that from the books? It feels like that's gotta be... It's wonderful. In fact, in fact, in the books, Dorothy undergoes an entire dialect change. From the first book, she she speaks uh, very, very... um, perfect almost perfect english and then when she comes back to oz in the third book she's saying she's like slanging a little bit she's like exactly belina and supposed instead of supposed but but she's she's notably calmer whereas the first book like every chapter kind of ends with dorothy crying because she misses kansas in the third book she's in a much more you know, like I've, I've been on a road and I'm a little calm and I know like you can't beat yourself up for screwing things over. She, you know, this is not her first rodeo. And we do have a protagonist who's like, like, 
I mean, when she sees the deadly desert, she immediately knows what the problem is and she immediately knows what the solution is. Right. And whenever anyone uh, treats her as this uh, legendary figure, she kind of takes it in. She doesn't like demure or let it go to her head. She just kind of takes it in stride as like, okay, I'm this person here and I'm going to like, I'm going to deal with it. She also turns down the throne. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end. Which, Which is, is a, a whole other thing, the whole monarchy in <laughs> Oz. Uh. <laughs> oh, it's a big thing, Oops. I think. I just made a noise, sorry. That's okay. Uh, yeah, she's she's very, um, very down to earth. Resourceful? And, uh, resourceful, yeah. Yeah. Well, one could is. argue she doesn't have a huge, I guess she does have an arc just in terms of sort of maybe questioning uh, what happened? She's trying to. She sort of stops co- trying to convince Aunt M at the mm-hmm. end, and just realizes it's just something for her, and so she's going to stop talking about it and just mm-hmm. keep it as a as a private um, thing that she. So I guess that is right. an arc, but she doesn't have like a huge emotional sort of catharsis that she go, that that you would expect a movie executive to demand. Yeah, well, we a, were we were we were working on something that is sort of playing with that, oh, characters in adventure stories sometimes don't have right, huge right. Arcs. an arc. Indiana Jones, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, James Bond. I mean, you don't see a lot of big changes, and yet that's... Yeah. I mean, it's fun to have a female protagonist that doesn't have to... You know, And I didn't feel the absence of it. I wasn't like, oh, I, I was just like, oh, I don't know that they would do this this way now, but I'm right. thoroughly enjoying the way that it's being done. Yeah, yeah. So, Belina? Oh, no, but before Belina? we leave Dorothy... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm going to throw out there that um, there is supposed to be an arc, and I, I think we're supposed to take on the idea that while Dorothy has changed uh, from, from the first movie, that now she's dealing with some trauma. I, I think Edda said that earlier, there's some PTSD here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big, you know, you could just look at Dorothy and say, but she's telling the truth and Aunt Em isn't believing her. But for right. me, the big scene about this is when Aunt Em goes to check in on Dorothy at night and sees Dorothy is wide awake. Her eyes are wide open, lying in bed. And Em is like, have you fallen asleep at all? You need to go to sleep. You can't be up every night. That, that what we're supposed I mean, she murdered two women, like... Well, I mean, I mean, involuntary manslaughter. You know, I could get her off on the murder charge, <laughs> right? I'm just saying, like she she can be a little like you know have some some residual stuff going on. Yeah, there. sure, I, why like, not? Well, she, I mean, even if you put that aside, the wicked witch in, tried to imprison her. Try, the things tried to kill her. She was attacked by, you know, trees threw apples at her in in the movie. But if it wasn't the movie, it was. Uh, half tiger, half bear creatures called the Kalidas trying to kill her. You know, she had to slap a lion. There's a lot. And and I think we're supposed to, to, (laughs) I don't know how much we're supposed to take into this, but Dorothy does have a problem. She can't get past Oz. And Em is right to identify Dorothy as having a problem. And I wonder, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure, because we'll, and we'll explore this as we go through, if we're supposed to see the narrative as Dorothy working through her trauma. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know that the metaphor is perfect. 
Um, but I, when I think about the scene with the Gnome King, the Gnome King is offering a really strange temptation to Dorothy. The temptation that he offers her is, if you just forget about Oz completely, you can go home. And I, I wonder if trying to untangle like what that means as a trauma text, like like if you is he saying if you suppress and you push your your traumatic memories deep deep down, you can live again. Which I don't know that that's the healthy. I mean, clearly he's he's the bad guy, so he doesn't want what's best for her. But what is best for her? That's not the right answer. What is the right answer? Well, that could also be a metaphor for you know put these electrodes to your head yes, and then exactly. you were gonna make yeah. we're gonna make Oz go away yep. which the, you know it's the same actor playing that but you're talking about her not being able to sleep I think it's interesting that it's sort of the midpoint victory of the movie once they've escaped oh. Mombies she falls asleep yes mm-hmm. she's yeah. able to like get yeah. rest right um, and that's her like victory in the the middle of the film and then and then at the end of the film it's morning. And she's awake and she's bright-eyed and she's ready to go help Aunt Em or whatever needs to be done. She's had a good night's sleep and she's ready to go out and, you know, face Kansas. Yeah. No, I, 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 it's, but, but, so there is a metaphor. I do feel like I don't know ex- exactly, exactly the, like, it, I know what not to do for Dorothy. We, we don't want to fry her brain with electricity. That I've learned that lesson <laughs> is is the answer to getting through trauma to have another traumatic adventure seems like the wrong answer too, um, and I think the metaphor gets a little mu- I I want I want it to make sense. I'm just I haven't unpacked it yet. But anyway, yeah. that's what I wanted to say about Dorothy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's cool. Let's move on to Belina. So I have Belina in my notes. Um, I have a talking Toto. She's, she's just sort of fresh. She is wonderful. She's fresh and she's sassy. She has a chicken with her. A chicken, the, right? The voice of Kansas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, she's great. She, and then who knows that she holds the key to uh, getting rid of the Gnome King? Who knew that? Well, that's something the book does a better job of setting up. They, in the movie, they're constantly like, a chicken, and they're, they're har- and horrified. In the book, straight up, they learn that eggs are poison to gnomes. Um, but in fact, Dorothy doesn't see killing the gnomes as the it gives her leverage that she's got this chicken and she's got these eggs Uh. the gnome king actually isn't killed in the book he becomes oz's recurring villain dorothy beats him this time and he comes back uh in the in the bomb books i think three more times um book six books book eight and book 13 uh he keeps coming back for more they never they never pelt him with eggs uh but but it's that's interesting it only took one, one egg. Yeah, done. The, o- the other thing here is <laughs> Belina sort of functions as a more independent woman than I think. Yeah, Emma. for sure. Like she, she provides. It's it's strange because I'm talking about a chicken. <laughs> well, so Em's I- gonna kill her, right? Em's gonna kill her if she doesn't lay yeah. eggs. Then she finally lays her egg, and Belina's like, "Like I'm going back to that place. It's terrible, I, right?" I, Belina's more empowered than Em is. She's yeah. a oh, stronger sure. sense of self, a stronger sense of authority. Yeah. Uh, I I wonder I wonder how much of this movie is is Dorothy needs a new role model. You don't want to be M. You 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 want to be you want to be a chicken. That's <laughs> right. 
And since you brought up the the egg, uh, I just think it's, again, set up payoff in that first act. You got to lay an egg, otherwise you're going to die. And then at the end, she lays an egg to save them all. To save everyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. It's good stuff. And she decides to stay. She's Mm -hmm. like, I'm an independent woman. And I don't know if you guys heard that, but that's the uh, the trash lady from Labyrinth is the same voice actress. Oh, I did not know that. Now now you hear it. I will hear it. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. And the puppet is amazing. It's such a great puppet. Yeah. And I noticed a couple, I noticed this time and I hadn't ever before a couple times um, her mouth is animated. Yes. uh, It looks like. A little, a little bit. Yeah. Once in a while. And so they just like. Did so many every technique they had, they just used them. <laughs> That's awesome. So TikTok. <sighs> so TikTok or Sir Sir Superf- Superfluous um, to this movie, um, like because while he's there and he's th- someone for Dorothy to talk to, like he beats up the wheelers, and then the rest of the movie, he's just kind of there, and yeah, like. I, like story function, very limited. Um, whereas in the original movie with the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion, there are clear lessons that need to be learned about like believing in your intelligence, believing in your ability to have empathy, what right. is the nature of true courage. TikTok is sort of Dorothy's servant. Or or maybe like Dorothy in a leadership role, com- commanding like like Dorothy is the general, TikTok is the private? Possibly. I disagree. Yeah. Okay. Oh, please. Let's I hear think it. I think that in terms of a lot of the people that she comes into contact with, her friends that she makes in Oz, he's got one of the clearer arcs yeah. of being like he has a line of like, I've never been alive, thank goodness. Or and, something. Yeah, I've always and, treasured my lifeness lifelessness. Yes. And then right. at the end, when he's about to sacrifice himself to uh by touching one of the ornaments and uh, uh he starts he cries yeah. he, yes. he and he he even has a line prior to that where he says i value my lifelessness or mm-hmm. or something right, like right, that. right. Oh, i love that moment. so he you no you're right yeah. i mean he has an arc uh i i was just i was talking about story function Oh, okay. Uh, which well, he's there to he's there to break down. Yeah, <laughs> he's there to break down because otherwise it would be too easy. And, I mean, his story right. function is to get to get her to realize there's green ornaments too. Yeah, Ex- except and the, he's the ticking clock, right? He is mm-hmm, literally the TikTok mm-hmm. ticking clock. This happens in the book also, but the really weird thing is he does something really smart. It's like the great move. He pretends to power down to get Dorothy into the room in the hopes that she'll get a clue from watching him be transformed. Right. But that doesn't pay off because Dorothy yeah. looks around and has no clue where he's gone. Right. <laughs> and I wish that it did pay off uh, in just in some way. Yeah, there there are a couple of those. But yeah, let's go into Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah. I think, again, we're seeing Dorothy placed in the, the motherhood role now, right? Yeah. Well, if, if she's the general with TikTok, she's the mom or surrogate mom for Jack Pumpkinhead. Which seems so strange. Right? Can it I call very you strange. mom? Okay. But, but I didn't. I didn't realize just until now, as we've been talking, that she is. You know, we. She is this mirror of Ozma, right? And Ozma mm-hmm. is revealed to be her, his real mom at the end. So, I just made that connection. And I just love it. It's just such a kid thing that, like, oh, I made this 
scarecrow to scare the witch, and then she made him alive, and now I'm his mom, and now he's been up here forever, and so then this other little girl comes, and he wants to be her, he wants to be her to be his mom, and now we're all best friends, and it's like it's such a play thing, and there's so many things in the movie that are like kid logic, like that Ozma is um, is the '80s ideal of a pretty girl, you know, mm-hmm. she's a, a white blonde girl who's a little bit older than Dorothy. And in like little girl, pretty, pretty girl logic, that's like, oh, you do anything that person says. Someone with pretty hair who's a little bit older than you tells you to do something, you, you're going to do it. It's Which is exactly what gets her in trouble with mommy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's a pretty lady with blonde hair who but says, yeah, come like with me, leave a, your friends here. A pretty here. lady playing the, the that instrument, like, says come with me like oh okay like yeah it's just there's a lot of little girl logic too as as well as Dorothy being very mature and like there's so many things like that in it do you guys see him arcing I I I don't but I would love it if if you I I do not no and in fact there's a moment where he's like I mean he's a pumpkin he's like I've been (laughs) yeah well true I've been stuck in this space but then all of a sudden you see his fingers going out to you know, I'm like, oh wait, could he have gotten out? Like, could he have like put his own legs? Yeah. His on legs and were out? his legs were undone, so but he, he could have fixed. But could them. he have fixed his own legs? And then, yeah. Like, so he's he just kind of waiting there for. He's not that oh, right. Right, 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 right. So he's sort of the Dollar Tree version of the uh, Scarecrow. Right? And his, yeah. And he's, yeah. He's definitely <laughs> not off Scarecrow. And I'll say his only story function is twofold. He provides the exposition about the powder of life. Right. And he provides a place for Belina to hide. But but yes. he himself does very little. And yeah. I don't think he's capable of doing much. He he does but I think he's underused. I mean, if you're gonna have a character that par- that that parallels the scarecrow, right? Um, you know, and I think TikTok parallels the uh the Tin Man, right? If you're gonna have that, you need him to ha- take a bigger role than he has, I think. I would like because because Scarecrow and Dorothy in the original movie have the they're they're the ones with the connection. So I know, and I know it's not the I know it's not a sequel, but again, it it felt like that. No, I felt Andy, like that I, I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. And and so if we're going to parallel TikTok to Tin Man, right? The Tin Man wants to be more human, but the TikTok enjoys his alien nature towards being human, and yet somehow arrives at the same place the Tin Man does. Uh, you know, he discovers he discovers he natural humanity right. after all. With Jack Pumpkinhead, we have this person who who believes himself to be a child, and I think what we would hope to see a child, a fool like the Scarecrow believes himself right. to be. Right. And I I think the revelation should be that actually there is the soul of there is the soul of an adult there, or or there is like some, but no. <laughs> The the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion were all desperately in want of a thing. And all of these characters are happy with who they are. Yes. Yeah, and I think but I think in a movie you have to have that want. You have to and what makes that what makes it work is they all have a want and then they all need each other to get what they need to get. And so that's what's missing in this film for me. Is Mm -hmm. that we don't have that. We don't have every, you know, TikTok could have sat there for the next, you know, 500 years. It would have been fine. Right. And he was like, I'm, I'm fine being lifeless. Okay. Well, why are we tracking you along? And then we've got Jack Pumpkinhead 
who, you know, could have could have helped himself and doesn't, but we don't really talk about that. But he's clearly missing a mother. What's all that about? He needs a mother again. It would have been nice to have a reunited moment where he reunites with Ozma as opposed to they just did. passing out. What? Well, I mean, he goes, Mom! <laughs> Mom! And then he, and he faints. Um, and she seems to have no care of, as to but, whether or not she's mothered this Well, Ozma with. never saw him alive, did she? She did. Which begs the question. Oh, she did? In, yeah, in, at the end. In between at movies, she did. Oh, right. And she's <laughs> even hinting towards Dorothy in the insane asylum, this will help you, right? I brought you this right, pumpkin she gives him to the help pumpkin. you. I made this for you. Although... That pumpkin is arguably as useful as as the surrogate. (laughs) Okay, so Gump. Let's talk about Gump. Uh, He reminds me of one of the animals on the wall at the Country Bears Jamboree. That is exactly what he becomes in the later Oz books, because his body does get destroyed, and they stick him on a wall, and then he, like, as people walk by, sometimes he talks to them. And he's like, Osma doesn't really like when I talk to people, but uh, I'm gonna. (laughs) What, you know, what else am I gonna do? Uh, Gump, Gump kind of, well, I'm sorry. I don't need to go first about the Gump. There's not much to <laughs> oh, say. I was worried about the Gump at first because like he didn't ask to be reanimated. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask for them to Frankenstein this furniture body for him and <laughs> right. seems upset about it. But then like, he, you know, the, the body gets destroyed. He's like, that's cool. I didn't really like that. I love that he's just like, I'm, I'm good. This is great. Actually, he seems delighted when the Gnome King is eating what's left. Like, he doesn't want to be put back on the remainder of the couch. And when the Gnome King yeah. is like, I'm destroying the couch, I can see in the gum's face. He's like, yes, you're not putting me back together. <laughs> right. And he says, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we're all asking. Okay, so yeah. what, about, True. <laughs> what about the Gnome King? What do we think? Uh, it's it's a brilliant performance uh, mm-hmm. and a brilliant concept to take him uh, in 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 the mountain when he's becoming more and more human as he devours each each character's uh, life or non life, as the case may be. Yeah. Um, the, the, the transformation is so cool because yeah. yes. it's, it's it's subtle as it as it starts and yeah it's really cool. it's super yeah, like, so yeah, you like, might not notice it and the revealing of the ruby slippers oh yeah that was great uh, right and he's so dainty with them mm-hmm. yeah he's he's really a, he's something else he's charming he is I charming mean, I mean yeah. he's in, he's offering them refreshments how weird is that. And she takes them out, even mm-hmm. while, like we're all and, going, don't eat. And comforting her when she cries. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's all part of a trick, but he, right, you know. like he's yeah, he's like bringing her into the lair at, in in very much the same way that the doctor does in the beginning by listening to her and saying, "Well, I think I know exactly what you need, right?" And it's like, "Oh, you need these limestone pies. Oh no, you need to get your brain zapped, <laughs> right?" So there's this, yeah, I think, yeah, he's he's also like. I think he presents a different type of evil than the evil that Dorothy has done before. The Miss Gulch slash the Wicked Witch, you know, however you want to put her, she is so clearly malevolent. Her intentions are always to hurt people. Her, she wants power for its own sake. That that she's very easy to want to oppose. Right. And he's playing a he's playing a, a more like I'm a hero in my own mind. You stole from me. Uh, he's like, I'm being fair. Let's play a game. Um, but but he he's the more subtle evil. He's he's an adult evil. Like, yeah, you know, I know the system. He he's the adult you can't trust. 
Right. And it's good, I think, for kids to see movies where there's adults they can't trust. I think that's a good yeah. thing. Mombi. Absolutely. Mombi is so strange. What was that, strange about okay, her, the Andy? Scene, the scene where you go through. Okay, so I don't. I think I. This is the only scene I saw uh, as a kid. I think it was. I think this movie was on HBO or something. And like I'm watching the television, and that's where I caught it. Where Dorothy walks into this hall of looks like a hall of mirrors or something, and then there are just different heads around. And I was like, oh, okay, well that's not for me. Um, I thought it was a <laughs> horror movie, so like I flipped it off. So yeah, it was uh, it's something, but I kind of wondered. Like a note that I have here is like is switching heads, sort of an allegory to mental health treatment, hmm. because she's got all these heads, and maybe I'm crazy, but it just seems like Mombi wants the heads of all of these people in much the same way that you know the nurse back in the asylum wants the heads of all of these people. So. Oh, I just thought of it as like it's like shoes. It's it's like a rich person metaphor for like you know, you know. Well, and she wants wigs to be. Or, she wants to. I mean, Jean Marsh is gorgeous, but she wants to be all the beautiful dancing girls, and you know, she she wants to try on all the different beautiful heads, but yet there's no one to look at her, which I think is is interesting. Except for the wheelers, which who cares what they think, right? <laughs> Oh, those wheelers. So but, weird. But in terms of motivation, as, as of the two villains, she's interesting visually. But she's Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. She's she's actually achieved her purpose, right? Her her game is over. She has a hundred heads. Um and like done. Um all she has to do is maintain what she's got. Whereas the Gnome King has a much more active villainy. He's he still hasn't entered his end game yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Ozma, with all the character doubling, um, we have Ozma, who is the blonde girl at the asylum. Um, man, I. So I'm left wondering if Ozma is the subconscious version of Dorothy, just sort of begging to get out. Is is this a balance of herself? Because she's like, there'll always be a part. And then she's looking in the mirror and Ozma's in the mirror. And I'm like, okay, I don't get Ozma. So if y'all can help me figure out Ozma, I am very interested. Well, the movie takes some liberties here. Um, in, <laughs> no. in, the, or in the book, Dorothy and Ozma eat meat before they confront the Gnome King. Ozma is the first one to play the game. Um, she goes. She goes into the room. She gets transformed into an ornament. Um, there's no real mystery with Ozma. As soon as Ozma and Dorothy meet, they become the best of friends and they go through the movie together. And part of me wonders if maybe a movie about friendship between two girls uh, in Return to Oz, which what if Dorothy had when Ozma fell into the lake, uh, into the river with her? What if instead of Belina, although I love Belina. It was Dorothy and Ozma in there, and over the time there, Ozma's memories start coming back to her that she's actually the princess of Oz. Dorothy starts off as the expert, um, but but really Dorothy is doesn't even realize she's restoring this princess to Oz. There are ways of doing this, but the trapped in the mirror thing, I never get. I never get why Dorothy doesn't see her reflection and sees Ozma's reflection. It. There's an See that's what that's what I'm saying. Is is Ozma just the subconscious version of her, or is this a multiverse? Or are and then is the is the real job of trauma? 
you know, marrying this these two selves of your psyche and putting them together. I mean, that's an interesting fact that, that I was like, okay, that's interesting. I want to see more of that. But does like, Osmo, why is that? I want more. But does Osma moving to to Kansas somehow transpose Dorothy to Oz? Like, like in some sort of like, for every action, there is an equal and opposite. I don't know. And so I then I, I'm like, so then I'm like, is Ozma really there in Kansas, or is she just well, part I of Dorothy's? I always saw, and I just like logic this um, from the movie that uh, Mombi is a powerful witch, and mm-hmm. she locked Ozma behind the mirrors, so the world behind the mirrors. So that's why she appears in the mirror room mm-hmm. in Oz, and um, and there's that you know. No, there soon there'll be no one who even remembers who you are, because um, she's appearing as the as just the the smudge, and that Dorothy, um, that Ozma knows that Dorothy uh, is the one that can help them, and so she appears to Dorothy mm-hmm. as her reflection, and that something about being on the other side of the mirror allowed Ozma to go to Kansas and let Dorothy out. And then when Dorothy's back at Kansas, she is in the mirror because Ozma's in Oz. Edda, you just unlocked this for me. Are you, are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to take this one <laughs> okay. step further because I like what you've got here, but it just it just clarified a whole heck of a lot for me. Well, okay, go. This is where I get excited. So I'm going to pause it. Why is the Gnome King so upset? I just made this up, but now I believe it. Why is he so obsessed with Dorothy forgetting, forgetting, forgetting? Mombi has that line about soon that you said, soon no one will remember you. That's the end game. It's not about Dorothy forgetting Oz, but Ozma is the spirit of Oz. And there's only a handful of people left who remember her. TikTok. Everyone else is stone. Right, Right, right. And so as... As the Gnome King makes each person forget, his reality becomes real. Dorothy, Ozma becomes less real. So when we're in Kansas, the reason that Ozma is there is that she only exists now. The spirit of Oz only exists in Dorothy because Oz has been destroyed. And so she's been brought to the only place she still exists. Dorothy has become the vessel for Oz, she's she's retaining all of the Ozness within her, and that's why it's so important. When the Gnome King is like, "Look, I can turn you into an ornament, or I can make you forget. Either way, I extinguish the spirit of Oz." Holy Interesting. crap! Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and the Love reason it. we know it's real is because Ozma undoes Dorothy's straps. There's no way if yeah. she's a if she's her Fight Club double or whatever that she can get out of those straps by herself. Well, Gabe, that's, I have an true. answer to that, but we'll get to it in a bit. Oh, <laughs> she's Houdini. No, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna she's, throw... she's got in her mouth a little. Uh... I'm going to throw a theory a key, out to you. Right? I'm going to throw a theory out to you, which you will reject, but we'll get to it. Once we're, once we're to... <laughs> Great. It's looking forward okay. to it. I don't really the believe... wheelers. Put a pen in it, Larry. The wheelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The wheelers, the wheelers are arguably the scariest part of this film. Oh, they're so good. I always <laughs> figured that they were like Cirque du Soleil acrobats that they had gotten to do this. But I was looking at IMDb last night and they're um, they're puppeteers. So oh, a wow. lot of them uh, crossed over at, as like the full body puppeteers for like the mystics in, uh, in um, why am I blanking on the Dark Crystal? The best, uh, on Dark Crystal. Thank yeah. you. 
So like these full body puppeteers, which like is mom just, and chance or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just the 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 physicality of that. Um, there were a couple who were like um, acrobats or uh, or martial artists, um, and a bunch of them were women. Um, Very cool. Uh, and like it's just the the physicality of that. I'm really kind of surprised that that has never that four four handed wheelness has never been replicated in but, anything. Well, they're wheeling through this play. You know, Oz looks like a. My daughter said it, we were talking and we were kind of going back and forth as to what Oz looked like, and I won with saying that it looked like a burned out cheesecake factory. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but you know, there's like spray paint on the walls. I'm like, this is a hardcore Oz, man. Like it's it's rough down there. So yeah, yeah um, but th- these guys are terrifying. You know, they're chasing yeah. her and they're obviously a lot faster than she is. They are because mm-hmm. they're wheeled and oh my goodness, crazy. The laughing. And just, I mean, obviously, because of who the director is, the sound design for this entire movie is perfection. And so the yeah. the wheelers coming in, uh, you know, from different directions and just the sound itself is just so evocative and just, they're, they're creepy, creepy, creepy. My my only complaint about the Wheelers, who I think I agree with everything, they're scary. The performances are great. They're the one design element that I feel dates the film mm. and places it firmly in the 1980s in yeah. terms of sort of the costume and makeup design. It's a little, I don't know, Starlight Express or something about it. Um, it's a little David Bowie ish, right? Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way about Mombi though. I think they're they're. Parts of her costuming that I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, our last characters. I think they are terrible people. <laughs> uh, well, I'm doing the I best. I think they are, are they? traumatized are they really? people. I think they're tra- Okay. All um, right. Fair I, enough. I I think M goes too far. I mean, clearly goes too far in asserting d- dominion over Dorothy's. Uh, Uncle Henry has said no to bringing Dorothy uh, to to the asylum, and, and she's doing it anyway. Uh, yeah, and he's I, not stopping her. There's no fight. There's no, nobody's putting up a, a fight for anything. He's not aware mm-hmm. that there's a fight to stop, right? Because like she tells him, he's just she's just going into town, and she takes Dorothy away. Oh, that's right. Um. So, but there's. There's a brokenness to to both of them, which I th- see. Here's the weird thing for me, and it's weird in the original movie, but it's more weird here. With all of the character doubling that happens, M and Henry aren't really doubled into no. us. So, like, let's say Henry was doubled into I don't know Jack Pumpkinhead, and we played off the fact that Jack Pumpkinhead's legs are broken and Uncle Henry's legs are. Bro- broken like or he's got a leg problem well then what we need to see is the surrogate realize that he can make do uh mm-hmm. and have that revelation and then that translates to henry having that revelation but that's the same as the mgm film right mm-hmm. they're they're not doubled in that they're not either as well, as well because that's where her that's where dorothy's kansas conflict lies is is with them and that's what she has to sort of resolve you know, inside her head and why she needs all these other characters to help her get to the place she needs to get. Oh no, I agree with you, Gabe. I'm I'm completely with you. It's I also find it weird in that movie that they're not doubled. But at least in that movie, they're not as they're not as flawed in that movie as they are in this one. No. Right? 
Oh, I think Auntie M is meaner in that movie than this one. In this one, yeah, she's like, she's doing like what she thinks is is best for Dorothy in this one. She doesn't have the knowledge that we know know about electric treatments. She's being told by this very nice doctor that everything's safe Uh. and it's this. You know, yeah. it's this it's this new thing that's gonna cure Dorothy and she's putting you know, it's like she's trying acupuncture or, you know, something that she's heard good things about and she doesn't realize that it could actually hurt her. Well, so yeah. are we supposed to believe at the end that M and Henry have somehow been changed? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think yes. they're they're delighted to see her and Henry, you know, fixes the house and M tells her to go outside and play. That it's a beautiful day. So Henry I, throws away his cane yeah. when yeah. he sees. He was yes. so worried. Yes. That it snaps him out of it. Whatever oh. he's in. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting. His sort of depression, unexplained, is, I think, fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I want to see. I want to see more. If if you're going to have that, then let's. I mean, align. You know, something. There something is a line of like, yeah. like it, he. He broke it, his it leg. Healed long, it, it healed a long time leg, that ago. That leg's mended. It's it healed mended. a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so the thing that I'm going to say okay. you know, is is we're okay, doing a lot I'm of work stop. I'm, Yeah, I like, mean, there needs to be more conflict in this in the beginning. There's not a lot of conflict, and, and that that is the thing that is a problem. I mean, Dorothy willingly goes to this thing. The only person that has any problem with her going to the asylum is uh, is Toto. <laughs> Like Toto doesn't want her to go, right? But she's who is well, also woefully <laughs> missed in this film. But, but um, my point here yeah. is for Henry's arc or M's arc or most of these characters' arcs to make sense, we at home need to develop a podcast and really talk through them. <laughs> Whereas I don't think we need to do that for the original Wizard of Oz. We know the no. Scarecrow's arc very clearly. You watched it, like there's not gonna be that kind of argument. Here we've been given a lot of homework. And I'm not saying that right. that's bad necessarily, but I can see an audience coming coming to a movie not expecting that level of homework uh, and and not being willing to do the work that we're doing. Right. And then if if this thing were if this project were taken on in 2021, it would be this wouldn't this would be a series because there's just too much to flesh out. Oh yeah. And the yeah. and the bits of you know exposition that are dropped throughout, it's like oh I kind of want to see that. I want to see it. Don't tell me about it. I want to see it. Show don't tell. Well, they are doing. Right. They are doing it now. They're starting with the Wizard of Oz, and they're doing a reimagining uh, as we speak with oh, really? some very big director who I can't remember uh-huh. who it is at the moment. Yeah, I I can't speak about that. I, I have feelings. <laughs> I have so many feelings. Yeah, well, which is also like you know, if they had wanted to set this apart from the original, they would have started with the original book. But it's like. Everyone knows that. We don't need to retell that story. So right. let's start where we're starting, which which gets into the paradox that we started with of like, wh- why is this movie starting <laughs> at, this, at, this, at the sequel right. level? All right. right. So I'm going to throw out to you guys my crazy theory about this movie, which I'm going to I'm going to be I'm bringing it up. And if you dismiss it, I won't be offended at all. <laughs> be, but but I think the movie plays with it. Right. So we talked about how in The Wizard of Oz that there is a considerable, like, they, they lay into the is-this-all-a-dream uh, motif pretty heavily. 
And one of the ways they do this is by casting all of the people in Dorothy's life into her subconscious as the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, the Lion, the Wizard, right? We're identifying them early, the witch. Now, they do that here also. And if Oz is real, why is it that the people that Dorothy meets are subconscious duplicates of the people that she's met beforehand? And so there's a version of this movie which we could posit that Dorothy is has not not well. M is correct. She is delusional. Early on, when she's seeing Ozma, she's seeing something that's not there. There's that bit where she looks at the door and the door hasn't made a sound. It hasn't opened, it hasn't closed, and Ozma's gone. Dorothy is hallucinating Ozma. There is actually something not not working here and that when dorothy goes into is strapped to the gurney and they actually start it instead of the power failure suddenly happening what if dorothy actually had the electricity go into her brain and everything from that point in the movie on right is a dream totally plausible um mm -hmm. to the point and there's some evidence for this one of the pieces of evidence would be we've seen Dorothy and M travel for a long, they make a point of showing it's a long ride to this asylum. Why is the chicken coop with Belina suddenly floating down the river? How did it get all the way from the Kansas farm to here? Right? That's never explained. Right. Um, so the entire movie from that point forward could all be Dorothy's Dorothy struggling to resist the electricity that's within her brain and overcome it. And the weirdest part of this is at the very end when she's like, I want to go back to Kansas again. It Instead, they do this really weird fade to white sort of thing, which is almost like she's she's not being transported. It's almost like, you know, she's coming out of a black hole out and the light she's being exposed to light again. And they and they find her. Um, I wonder so, how this. And you're talking as you're talking. I'm wondering, and of course, you guys were talking about how the movie has, you know, is interrupted by um, by different executives and and you know people were fired, whatever. I'm wondering if if somebody just sort of had this project and it was just their project and they started. I wondered if we would see that. Or if somebody goes, you can't zap a little girl's head. That's just too much. You can't do this. Or that. And there was just all this executive function that maybe ruined some of the story. Or if three separate just, scripts were Frankenstein together. I yeah, that, that. That, it feels that way to me. Like, even as you're talking, it feels that way. And I'm, I'm thinking that's why I'm, I'm like, why am I struggling with this so much? And I think that's it. It doesn't feel as coherent as I want it to feel. But what what do you think about that? Is is it possible that all the Oz stuff is once again a dream? Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, especially yeah. If you if you posit that she's getting electric shocks, you would have to. She would have to be. That means the dream ends when she wakes up at in Kansas at the end, not when she wakes up by the shore, because that would all have been part of the dream, right? Right. This is when she wakes up at Kansas. What are you talking about? She she wakes up by the side of the shore and and she's found, and then they go home and then she yeah, wakes up in the morning. There's the fire in the asylum. 
Right. And everybody Every, was evacuated. Everyone got out except for the doctor who tried to go back for his machine. I'm saying that's part of the dream. That why would, would that be part of the dream? Because why, Because she ran away. Okay, but she could still have gotten, not known how she got out if... Maybe. So I, you're I'm saying worse. that the dream or happens, the dream I, happens from, from like early on, very early from on. Electric, electric shock to her waking up in, in Kansas at the end and waving to yeah. Uncle Henry out the window. Oh, wow. She was okay. either shocked, she was either shocked and then somehow like, you know, in the fire, someone tossed her out or she got out and didn't remember it. Or one of the patients helped her out. And they ran away from the nurse, and she fell in the river, and then the asylum caught. But then the nurse is taken away to jail. (laughs) Yeah, at the end of this, and I'm like, because the the patients who were damaged are now out. They're talking, (laughs) and and it's clear, which is a wild, uh, a wild um, uh, consequence because um, I think that in that time she could have just said these people are crazy. And we're taking care of them. Oh, yeah. And the authorities would have been like, oh, okay. Uh, Why don't you uh, strap them down for 21 hours a day and uh, beat them for the other four? Right, right, right. um, (laughs) And then we're good. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a a strong eugenics movement going on in the early turn of the century. Question for you guys. When when Dorothy's waking up, did Ozma look really, really, really sad to you? Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's a, such a sad expression on her face. It might be, Daddy, I don't want to be in your movie anymore. But but <laughs> but but it, I, it it puts me off a little bit. Like that. that was Are you like, talking about at the the very end in the mirror? No, before that, when she's in Oz and she's sitting on the okay. throne and Darth, Dorothy's about to go back. There's just this, well, because she's saying goodbye. But it's so sad. It's not like this it is, is what's best for you. This is like. It's so sad. It's such a sad expression. Yeah. It bothers me. The age she is now goes goes back to Oz and has a new adventure in this world. That would be amazing. Yeah. She's so good. That'd be great. All right. Well, this has been amazing. I'm so glad to see you guys. And it's been so good to see you. Thank you for asking us to do this. This Super fun. fun. Super fun. So this has been the Once Upon a Disney podcast. And you can visit us. You can find us on our Facebook page. This is Once Upon a Disney Podcast, a novel, I know. And on Twitter at, at Andy Redwine and at Larry Brenner 6. And also, while we're talking about this, can we talk a little bit about y'all's stuff? Where can we find you, you and your things? Oh, first of all, do you have a recipe for lime, limestone cakes to share I with do not. everyone, Andy? I do not. Okay, well, I should. see if I can find one. <laughs> um, where, can we, where can we find our stuff, Gabe? I'm uh, at Gabe Diani on Twitter and Instagram. And our uh, Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash Diani Divine or yeah, Diani and Divine. Um, I'm at a Divine on uh, on Twitter, but um, I mostly just uh, tweet about the fall of... Uh, of civilization, so, Same. so not so, not as not so as much of a fun follow <laughs> so as you fun. used to be. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, but we we have both of our movies are streaming on Amazon Prime for members. Diane and Divine Meet the Apocalypse and The Selling. Those are also on Vimeo on demand for rental or purchase. Larry, you, you absolutely have to watch these Amazon movies. Sure. You must watch these movies. They're they're big family favorites here. We dig them out a lot. Very cool. So, yeah, um, very cool. 
And we also have been doing a, a little web series in lockdown uh, with uh, Mark Twain. Time traveling Mark Twain has accidentally ended up in a terrible time in American history, ours. And he's now trying to be a social media influencer and failing badly. I've had to it. live with this mustache for a year, <laughs> oh. you guys. Oh, that's great. That's so great. Well, and also, if you should have a pressing question for us, or we can pass it on to Gabe and Etta, um to answer, you can always drop an email into our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for coming. We love our audience. We're so grateful for all of you, and we will see wait, you Wait, 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 wait. Next week? Oh, no. Next, next week. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing Pinocchio. Oh, that's right. We have Pinocchio. We have a special guest uh, for with Pinocchio, too. So I'm excited about that. Yay. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All my indie film friends are coming in. It's awesome. It's so fun to see everybody. That's awesome. Yes, yes. So, all right. Well, we'll see you real soon. See you real soon. Yay.